At the height of the summer season, anger is rising among those who live near New Zealand's tourist attractions about so-called freedom campers. These travellers, who like to save money or avoid too many people, enjoy spending the night at beachfronts or in reserves. But locals say all too often people use these areas as toilets and rubbish dumps. Radio New Zealand's Nelson correspondent Jeff Moffat has been investigating whether the ongoing tensions risk damaging New Zealand's friendly reputation ahead of the Rugby World Cup. It's hard not to feel laid back in a setting as lovely as this sweep of beach and bush on a summer's day in Golden Bay, but the locals here at Ligar Bay are anything but relaxed. In fact, they're steamed up at campus who are using their beachfront reserve as a toilet. There was one woman that, ca- that pooed just where that truck is there and it's three paces from this picnic table and it was an absolute disgrace. And uh, I just yelled out from the window and I said, we do have toilets. Resident Jean Davies is fed up with people illegally parking for the night and then leaving behind faeces, broken bottles and other rubbish. Another local, Teresa, is also irate. No one objects to people coming down here and having a day out. It's wonderful, but it's what happens at night. Although it's illegal to stay on the Ligar Bay Reserve, the residents say the number of overnighting camper vans and other vehicles is growing, and the camping season has gone from a few months to six or seven months. Complaints about so-called freedom campers and their heavy environmental impact are becoming commonplace around New Zealand and increasingly vehement. It's people in vans rather than those in tents that are said to be the cause of the problems. The president of local government New Zealand, Lawrence Yule, says the issue must be dealt with urgently. A large number of, of councils encourage it, but it is being wrecked by a few people who, quite frankly, they wouldn't do this in their own backyard or in their own home, but yet they somehow think they can come here and do it here, and it's not acceptable. But if councils don't act, it seems some residents will. Residents of Lake Harweir in the Queenstown Lakes District, fed up with constant littering, last year used boulders to block three popular freedom camping roadside laybys around the lakefronts. We got sick of um, not getting a reaction. Like we were taking photos of the disgusting mess and sending it to the mayor, sending it to the Minister of Tourism and just getting back little short letters saying, oh, yep, this is obviously a problem, full stop. By actually taking action and closing off these areas, uh, the media got onto it very quickly and aired the issue throughout the country, and that's really what we wanted. That's the Residents' Association President Rachel Brown, who says that just weeks after a residence clean-up, the laybys were again littered with faeces and rubbish. She says people have been coming for generations to enjoy the Queenstown lakes and to camp beside them, but the mess left behind has rapidly increased in the last few years, mostly from people in vans. You can't miss the advent, really, of the invention of those vans without facilities. Well, actually, with every facility except toilets. The Queenstown Lakes Mayor, Vanessa Van Uden, says visitors want to enjoy the natural beauty but may be too lazy to take care of it. I think possibly they are. I think there's also a case that they want to experience the environment. The disappointing thing is they behave in a way that wrecks the environment and in a way that I don't believe they'd actually do in their own backyard, which is what they're doing to us.
Swish bangs, some people call them. Smaller camper vans with sliding side doors that make a swish bang sound as they open and close. They have sleeping space, but few other camping facilities are standard. Most don't have a toilet. They're more likely to have a DVD player. Some have a stove and a small fridge. Their numbers have exploded. New Zealand Transport Agency figures show that nearly 25,000 campervan licences were issued last year, double that of 10 years ago. For many tourists around New Zealand, especially young Europeans, the basically equipped vans are the only way to travel. It's the place to live. It's our home. <laughs> it's our home. We live, we eat, we sleep in it. I'll meet a group of 20-something people from France, Germany and Switzerland having a picnic lunch at Ligar Bay. Like many other longer-term visitors, they bought their vans in Auckland for a few thousand dollars, planning to sell, hopefully, at not too much of a loss when they leave the country in a few months. These Europeans like to stay off the beaten track at Council or Department of Conservation Freedom Camps and are adamant they are not fouling the environment. We wouldn't no. dare to leave our rubbish behind because we do appreciate that New Zealand we... and New Zealand's nature. Yeah. Yeah. We come yeah. here and we don't have that in Germany. We don't want to keep that, keep that upright. We want to keep the balance. Two other young campers from France and Switzerland say it's New Zealanders who are causing the problems. still have my rubbish for one, two days and I still keep it with me. So that's no good. And it's hard to find recycling bins uh, mm. in town. I saw only twice people who left all the rubbish there and it was New Zealand young people who make party in the night. But Ligar Bay resident and motorhome owner Andrea Ashford is certain it's campers from overseas who are the rubbish culprits. Most Kiwis will move on uh, you know, without, without worry, being confrontational and that, but it's these foreigners, they just think they can come and do what they like. We strike them when we're away in our van, and you're, even with ones with motorhomes like ours that have got all the self-containment, they'll turn their taps on and drive down the road, or they'll turn them on and just empty it beside you on the grass. Like our Bay residents are taking matters into their own hands, trying most nights to move on illegal campers. John Hall says some of the campers try to avoid the locals and a council inspector by arriving after nightfall. They try to get up high underneath the trees and I've come out at 11 o'clock at night and heard them breaking branches off trying to get into the bushes down there to put tents up. So as soon as I hear them, I, am, I, get, I dive across the road and try to move them on. Businessman Bernie Kelly commutes between homes here and in Wellington and he's determined to stop people illegally setting up camp for the night. He's been abused by some and says after one camper confronted him accompanied by an aggressive dog, he'll soon be taking his own dog on his nightly rounds. I've just got a pig dog, so when that dog's mature, I'll be fronting up with that. And it, is that the sort of message Tourism New Zealand wants to send, you know, you know, hostile locals. You know, we're world-renowned for being friendly people, but sorry, we're not friendly towards these people. And I know people in the next bay round, his response is to be just confrontational, just tell him go, not welcome. An alleged attack on a Freedom camper van in Golden Bay early this year has focused attention on rising tensions between neighbours and campers. A 59-year-old man was charged with attempted murder accused of smashing van windows and panels with a slasher and trying to set the vehicle alight when a man and a woman were inside. 
The New Zealand Freedom Camping Forum, representing tourism operators, councils and government departments, is concerned about growing antagonism towards freedom campers. The forum was set up three years ago to tackle the issues. Its chairman, Jeff Ensor, says emotions are becoming worryingly high. We've certainly over 2010 been uh, concerned about uh, safety for visitors and, and it's important they have a, a good experience and that we remind ourselves that the, the vast majority are having a, a very good holiday and doing things entirely you know, responsibly. What's critical, I think, is that we all keep cool heads and, and while it's incredibly annoying for communities and frustrating when uh, some of the campers are, are abusing the place they live, it is critical that doesn't then convert into some type of sort of criminal behaviour or abuse against those visitors. For those people bothered by irresponsible campers, Jeff Ensor advises them to talk to their council before taking matters into their own hands. In three years, he says, the Freedom Camping Forum has achieved a great deal in educating travellers about where they can and can't camp. The forum advice theme has been, assume nothing, always ask a local, before pitching a tent or parking a van. Mr Ensor says most of the big camper van hire companies and about 30 councils have helped fund a program to distribute information to campers directly and through visitor information centres and other tourism outlets. But Rachel Brown from Lake Harwear says the district council has been slow to act, promising much but not delivering. We've invited um, you know, council to come and view the problem and finally this Last week, for the first time, like our new mayor and CEO of Queenstown Lakes District Council actually visited some of our worst affected areas, and they were quite horrified and quite visibly moved by the disgustingness of it all. In Nelson's Lygar Bay, Jean Davies says it's taken her 15 years to get a response from the Tasman District Council to a request for a no-camping sign on the beach reserve. The council's chief executive, Paul Wiley, says he understands the growing frustrations of ratepayers, but the council has no power to force campers to move on. At the moment, we are virtually powerless to take any enforcement action other than requesting that they move on, and that tends to only shift them from one undesirable spot to another undesirable spot. Well, Tasman District Council, like many others, has appointed a contractor this summer to do the rounds of popular Freedom campsites. I'm joining Sally Quickfall tonight in Golden Bay to visit some of these spots and see just how big the illegal camping problem is in one of New Zealand's tourist hotspots. We're starting here at the Waitapu Bridge beside the Takaka River. It's 6 o'clock in the evening and there are at least 20 vehicles in here, a lot of them fairly basic looking vans and most of them, their occupants, uh, seem to be settling in for the night. But only self-contained motorhomes are allowed here and it's Sally Quickfall's job to try to move the others on. Do you have a toilet on board? Oh, we don't, but no. we just got here, we're just organising and cooking dinner. OK, so you're most yeah. welcome to stay here and have your dinner uh -huh. and things, but you need to move on, you cannot stay the night. OK. Um, like most people we see tonight, these German yeah, tourists cooking dinner, salmon for dinner on their oh, gas yes. stove don't argue when told they're parked illegally. Always, uh, most of the time we, we use uh, DOC campsites, or um, yeah, just when we drive for a longer distance and we don't know if they're a DOC campsite and yeah, then we get tips from other campers or other travellers and this was actually a tip, uh, you can stay here for one night and yeah. 
but not all campers are so obliging when asked to move. Sally Quickfall spots a Japanese couple who've been staying here on and off for about two weeks. We spoke last night, didn't we, about the need to move on today? Yeah. And so, and you, yeah, that was last night, and you're still here today. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's really important you're going to have to pack up tonight and move on. I'm going around and doing the rest of the bays. I will be, I will be coming in here to check on my way home, and you need to have moved on by then. Sally Quickfall takes me back to Ligar Bay, where I've been earlier in the day. Most camper vans have left, but we meet a young Swiss couple cooking dinner and setting up for the night. They too get the message to pack up. They're understanding, but tell me they've just had a run-in with some locals after they scraped some vegetable leftovers into the bush. I just put um, some organic pumpkin in the trees, and they didn't agree because it smells bad. So, and I don't want to put uh, some food in the rubbish because they burn them, so it's a waste of energy. So maybe you should uh, put a compost or something, not only rubbish, but compost too. So yeah. you're saying that you can put some of this in the, in the bush and it's okay? Yeah, that's exactly what I did 10 minutes ago. But they, they didn't agree because it smells bad. I can understand that. The locals here are not happy with that treatment of the reserve. And it's the same in Nelson, where a cul-de-sac on the northern edge of the city has been allocated for Freedom Campers this summer by the City Council. Nearby residents are upset by rubbish left behind and people using the reserve and adjoining playground as a toilet. The Nelson City Council runs three camping grounds within a few kilometres from here. Power sites are from about $14 per adult per night. But 24-year-old Gillard from Israel, who's bought a cheap van for his New Zealand working holiday, says camps are too expensive. It depends how much money you want to spend, but yeah, it's pretty expensive. You pay like uh, $20 or $25 for a night. That's, I think, it's pretty expensive. If you hire a room, sleep in a room, that's okay, and have a shower and everything, that's okay. But just to park with your van and sleep in your van and pay 15 or 20 bucks, I think it's too much. Gillard is one of about 20 vans in the Nelson Council Freedoms camp spot this morning. Most of them are not fully equipped campers, but older people-mover type vehicles with a mattress in the back. The presence of so many of them is upsetting nearby residents who feel the tone of the neighbourhood has been dragged down. Another group of people unhappy at the growing number of Freedom campers are the owners of self-contained motorhomes. New Zealand Motor Caravan Association Executive Peter Gordon says the association represents 22,000 motor home owners and most of their vehicles have a self-containment certificate. Nothing is dropped on the ground at all. Uh, if you use the shower or wash your hands or your dishwashing uh, liquids or fluids, the grey water goes into the grey water tank that is contained. Uh, as far as sewage is concerned, in the toilet we have on board, we have what we call a, a cassette toilet, which holds up to 20 litres of sewage, and uh, we can dump that at, uh, at approved dump sites around the country. The association doesn't want camper vans without self-containment to be allowed in Freedom campsites. It says they should be in motor camps where there are toilets and other facilities. Another motorhome owner, Graham Ashford, says although he leaves nothing behind where he camps, he feels critics of Freedom Camping don't distinguish between his motorhome and the cheaper vans with no facilities. 
Vander and I have got a you know, very expensive motorhome out there, totally self-contained, and because of the actions of these people, it is getting harder and harder for us, with all the proper, you know, responsible camper stickers and everything all over our wagon, trying to find somewhere to park. The camper van companies, such as Spaceships, Kia, Maui, Juicy and Brits, say that because of their prominent branding, they're being unfairly accused of allowing bad camping practice, or at least of not trying to prevent it. Tourism Holdings Limited, or THL, is the largest holiday rental vehicle company in Australasia, with a fleet of 2,000 in New Zealand. Their brand names include Maui and Brits. The Maui motorhomes are all self-contained, but other brands are not. The chief executive, Grant Webster, says customers hiring vans without toilets are advised not to use Freedom campsites. I really have um, quite strong confidence that we're doing a huge amount to address the issues and, and, and by and by I, I don't think it's our customers. We've got to remember just how many um, people are, are buying cheap cars and vans and, and how many Kiwis are out there themselves as well that may not be as well educated as what we're now educating our customers. Grant Webster says most hirers are well educated Europeans who have a sense of environmental responsibility. Another rental company, Spaceships, has 280 campers, converted people movers which don't have self-containment for water or sewage. The general manager, James Ralston, says hirers are told not to go to Freedom Camping Spots but to stay at holiday parks, and he believes the vast majority of customers do so. You can have self-contained facilities and, and still have a poor attitude and, and not necessarily do the right thing, so you know the, the majority of our guys are doing the right thing, and... They are very environmentally aware and some of them are, are disappointed when they leave that the lack of facilities around the country and they, they're used to better at home so they, they actually leave feeling a little bit disappointed. They actually want you know, a hot shower and kitchen facilities, rubbish bins, laundry, internet and a toilet. Both THL's Grant Webster and James Ralston from Spaceships say it's the private rather than the commercial van campers who are causing most of the environmental problems. The commercial sector's kind of been lumped with the bulk of the blame for the freedom camping issues, and we, we obviously acknowledge that we're part of it. Um, but there is also a large private sector, actually larger than the commercial sector, of people who are, are buying uh, vans and station wagons and, and driving around living in those. Those people aren't being exposed to any of the educational material we're providing our customers. I don't know quite how we sort of combat that, but we're actually making headway as far as the commercial sector goes through the, through the forum. The Freedom Camping Forum's Jeff Ensor says the private trading of camper vans is a growing business. I think they're being traded uh, through some of the backpacker chains. I think they're being traded through some of the car yards that specialise in camper vans. Uh, they're popping up, um, obviously being traded probably through social ma media type means and advertising. He says the forum is trying to get information to these campers as well. Both Inter-Islander and Bluebridge ferry companies are handing out flyers to all uh, campervan-type customers going across the strait, so there's sort of a natural catch point to get good information into the hands of those visitors. We've also been contacting uh, key car yards that specialise in these vans. Many of them are offering to put the national messages into those vans at the time they're being sold, so people are being exposed to those key messages of please stay in holiday parks. Freedom camping, especially for those in tents, is a time-honoured New Zealand tradition. Richard Steele has been coming to the beach at Puawa, north of Gisborne, for 50 years and would be devastated if his lifelong recreation was made illegal. 
we would be very upset with any government, national or Labour, who brought in a rule like that. I mean, where are you going? Where, where are we going? I mean, we all were talking about nanny states and all sorts of things that are being imposed on us. It's, 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 a, it's a way of life. People in tents, however, are not the usual target of criticism. It's the modern-day van freedom campers like Aaron from Wellington who are in the spotlight. Here in Golden Bay for a music festival, he's about to be moved on again, and he's not happy. You know, like, sure, I'll go for a pass, but I'm not going to go, you know, fecal anywhere, <laughs> you know. I've travelled from one end of this country to the other for consistently for five years, non-stop. I find that it ruins areas, in particular, for example, the Coromandel region. You're constantly having people coming down on you there. And it is just basically a way of just... I feel like you're getting pushed into these expensive places to pitch a tent. While Aaron has been given a friendly word to shift tonight because his van has no toilet, it won't be long before he risks a fine. Local Government New Zealand is working with the Internal Affairs Department to amend regulations which will enable councils to create bylaws to allow instant fining of illegal campers. The association's president, Lawrence Yule, explains what's being planned. It's an opt-in or opt-out system, you don't have to do it, but it will allow councils uh, potentially to issue instant fines. So thinking is somewhere between $100 and $250 as a breach of those rules, and that's hopefully going to be in place for, in time for the Rugby World Cup later this year. The New Zealand Freedom Camping Forum's Jeff Ensor says a fine is OK as a last resort. It's important that visitors in the first instance, I think, uh, can be guaranteed that they're getting the good information so they, they are well informed about where and how. And, and then, you know, it's applied in instances where clearly uh, there's been quite deliberate excursions from what communities want. However, the Tasman District's Paul Wiley believes fines should be up to four or $500 rather than 250 and so do Liger Bay residents who are also calling for wheel clamping for those who don't pay. But one resident, Teresa, has reservations about a fine system and says there would have to be someone employed to hand them out. Who's going to slap the uh, fine on someone? You've got to have someone physically able, and this is quite a big geographic area to cover. So the likelihood of that being effective in Golden Bay I don't think is that great. There needs to be a wider solution, and it might be looking at an alternative to motor camps. Some councils are already looking to the Gisborne District Council's freedom camping policy as a blueprint. For several years, the Gisborne Council has had a permit system. Freedom campers pay a nightly fee to stay in its nine sites, but they must have a toilet. For about $10 a night, they get a rubbish bag and instructions. Those caught without a permit can have their equipment confiscated. The Council's Parks and Reserves Supervisor, Jenny Allen, says the system works well. However, she says New Zealand should not be marketed as a free and easy camping destination. I think New Zealanders see it as a privilege. I I'm wonder whether the tourists, whether New Zealand is being marketed overseas as a country where you can come and just pull up anywhere and not take any care of the environment. Tourist operators are wary of too many regulations which inhibit tourists who like to get off the beaten track. Young Europeans like Alex from Switzerland say it's the great outdoors and the opportunity to camp out in quiet and beautiful places which lures people like him to New Zealand. I think it's very important because the, the transportation in New Zealand isn't that good, trains and buses. It, but 
if you want to catch the train you couldn't see like Coromandel or Hotwater Beach. You have to take the bus and the bus is not the same freedom as the car. The number of such travellers is set to skyrocket with the Rugby World Cup later this year, but anger is growing at the abuse of the natural environment. On the road just outside Collingwood, resident Jill Pomeroy takes me to a state highway lay-by, which has become like a camping ground for travellers. So we're in a lay-by just outside Collingwood, and uh, Jill Pomeroy's with me. Jill, campers come in here and park here as well, and yes, tents too? Yes, I've seen them, tents and all, yes. And leave their what behind? They pop over into the farmer's paddock and leave their faeces behind, if you like, yes. And this is, this is happening quite regularly? Oh, yes, this, this, um, quite often there's a van or a car here, or tents even, if they're cheeky enough, yeah. Cheryl and Len Wynn have farmed here for 35 years and say campers are regularly using their paddock beside the lay-by as a toilet. There's a perfectly good camping ground down there. Yeah, and if, if they're um, self-contained, that's OK. But a lot of them that camp up in this little lay-by just aren't self-contained and just, yeah, we're air you be. It's not many nights that there's not somebody parked up there. Rental companies say the business of renting out swish bangs does not have to come at a cost to the environment. Tourism Holdings Grant Webster says campervan hirers don't need to camp illegally. They have plenty of cheap choices to stay throughout New Zealand. We're working very closely with the Department of Conservation, with the holiday park operators, and there is such a wide range of options. I mean, there, there, is, uh, there is something like 400 dock sites across the country, and you know, the average price, or some of the cheaper prices in those, is $7 a night. You, know, it's, it's not, you don't need to fork out huge amounts of money. If you want great facilities, there's, there's holiday parks that are like resorts now. Grant Webster is keen to point out that campervan tourists are estimated to bring in $500 million a year and it's important not to demonise them as an environmentally irresponsible sector when they are not. Jeff Ensor from the Freedom Camping Forum says the trick is to strike the right balance between preserving the environment and making the tourist experience easy and enjoyable. If we get this wrong, if the negative effects become... Uh you know, very large relative to the benefits that, that this type of camping uh, brings, we've got a problem. And it is critical that we uh, care for the environment and are seen to be caring for the environment. Uh, New Zealanders want that. The overseas visitors who come here expect it. Uh, and it's a key reason why we're taking the issue so seriously. The first test of the instant fine regime will come later this year when 12 or 13,000 camper vans are expected to be rented by visitors to the Rugby World Cup. That Insight was written and presented by Radio New Zealand's Nelson correspondent Jeff Moffat. Production was by Philip Atolli. Technical production by William Saunders.